Align Your Practice podcast with Dr. Cliff Fisher, where your best practice and life awaits you. Are you tired of running a practice on your own? We want to come alongside you with experts to help you create your dream practice and your dream life. Here is your host. All right, Tribe, welcome to Align Your Practice with Dr. Cliff and Dr. Joe, brought to you by Align Life, where we want to give you the tools to find and create your Align Life. Today, we're going to break down all five of the disciplines we've been talking about, and we want to give you two tools for each one to make you better. And so, Joe, as I was going through these, I'm like, what two do you want to, two or three do you want to be great at or a master of, or what? And then, what are the two or three that you just don't want to suck at? And so, I loved your last story about your dad um, being a manager, and I just feel like he was such a genius maker. And so, I just love to dive into these five different tools, give you some tools in each one, and go from there. Yeah, I love that. I think um, it creates such, in my world, it, it creates such self-awareness as to where my gaps were to be able to lift it. And uh, if you really uh, pay attention when we break this down, you're going to find the areas where you have a glaring potential gap in leadership uh, that could take you next level literally within uh, days or hours. Uh, because for me, it was just such an awareness point that I could feel me going into that particular behavior style and immediately being able to rectify it and enhance leadership. So I hope listeners get the same kind of outcome that I, I achieved. So, yeah, I think the awareness and being able to put words to it, I think that's really like multipliers. I don't know if there's a whole bunch of new concepts, but it really helped me like put words to it and have an understanding where before I just didn't have the words or an understanding of how to say it. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So, I'm just going to go over the genius makers again. So we had the talent magnets, the liberators, the challengers, the debate makers, and the investors. So I would love to kick off with the talent magnets. Like what are two or three things that we can do to be a better talent magnet? And so, Joe, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, I think as a talent magnet, you first have to be, you know, in in multipliers that talk about always be looking for talent. You always want to be ready and, and, and aware of that, number one. Uh, and then you got to let people have the space to be able to shine and express their genius. So I think when we break these down in the, in the genius role, we become the smartest, the best leader, the most accomplished. And when we do that, all we're doing is preventing their genius from shining. That, that's my overall perspective of it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And I think is like, like this is for chiropractors and students. Like, I think one of the spaces is like, I'll always look for talent. Like when I'm at Starbucks or when I'm out at restaurants, because honestly, those are some of the best like servant hearted people. And so when it's looking for genius, not only do you want to be looking around you, but then also when you have your team, look for the genius inside of them. I think that's the two biggest things is a talent magnet. And then the other thing I really like about like a talent magnet is I really feel like they need to be able to stretch that person and be able to be almost what I would consider an overbeliever, where they would believe more in them than they believe in themselves so that they grow into that person that you see in front of them. Interesting. Interesting. You're saying that as a talent magnet. You, uh, okay. Yeah. So as a talent magnet, like that's the, like the two things I think, like if talent magnet is one that you're already a genius at, or you want to be better at the two things you want to really want to be able to do is look for genius in others and then be that overbeliever, believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Um, so they can grow into that. 
Yeah. And, and you got to be careful if uh, you also have to balance it with accountability, because you could take someone who doesn't have genius in a certain area and say, hey, you're you're an introvert, uh, insecure introvert. Let's I know you can be head of marketing. Come on, let's do it. You, <laughs> you know, right. It may not be a right fit. So you have to have awareness around accountability. You still have to hold the line. But what we're saying is um, give them that chance to grow into that, into their genius. Yeah. 100%. It's funny. I was just in a room with like five like super successful chiropractors. And one of my questions to him was like, what's your genius? And then what are you looking for out of this group? And like all five of them struggle to come up with their own genius. And so I think really for us to recognize that and then speak that into when we recognize that in other people to speak that into them. So just like you said, Joe, like they're that introvert and we're putting them ahead of marketing, like that's a bad move. But if we're they're an introvert, we're like, okay, cool. So as an introvert, you're probably going to be able to make better empathetic connections. And so then to lean into that and call it out, I think will be the biggest thing as a talent magnet. So not so as soon as you find it, then you want to bring that talent out in them. Yeah, I agree. Cool. So then the next one's the liberator. So I think this one's awesome because I think a lot of times we become that like tyrant and it's like, okay, what do we do with that? Like, cause I think sometimes it's just, it's honestly, I think it's easier and faster. It's just like, okay, just do this. This is what I see versus I think as you move into that liberator role. And so if this is one of those ones that you're challenged with, it's like, you really want to play your chips sparingly. And I think one of the big ones in a liberator is confess your mistakes. I think one of the things in business is people don't feel like they can make mistakes. And I'm not talking about making the same mistake over and over, but they don't even feel like they can make a single mistake without losing their job. And so I think when you talk about yours, it makes it okay and it gives everybody else a chance to fail at something so that they try above their level. And because even when they try above their level and even if they fail, they're still better than if they didn't try at all. Yeah, so the concept, uh, what's the converse to a liberator? Is the tyrant. Tyrant, yeah. So the, the liberator, uh, the best lesson I learned <laughs> is, uh, and I think I brought this up in a previous one, is uh, I have the tyrannical ability due to my dominating personality. Uh, so it, when you realize that comes out of fear or it comes out, it may not be that you want to control, it may be a paranoia or fear that you want to help and move, but you realize you're not giving the space for someone to think and speak. So the biggest piece for me is just pause and in your meeting, allow others to express before you come with the hammer or come with this final thought because it closes the conversation. Uh, so just timing, I think, can be a big uh, transition if you are more tyrannical and you want to be a liberator, from my experience. Yeah. And I think one of the other biggest things, if like liberator is one of the ones that you want to get better at. And I thought the book Leaders Lead Last was a great one on that. Like you want to play your, you want, you want to talk less. And then you also want to talk last because that gives you a chance to hear everybody's thoughts. They can um, share their space. So they feel like they're heard. They're part of the conversation. They have some chime in. So then they'll have some buy-in. And so I think that's one of the other spaces where liberators really can create a different environment. And I know for me, some of the most valuable things is when people would say things that I hadn't even thought of. And then I can weave it into the idea. So it's not that it's even way off of mine. It just typically made my ideas better. So the liberator will get more information to be able to make better decisions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, uh, 
I think this is one for me personally that has been a, a big transition. Uh, so the, the next one is the challengers versus the know-it-all. So uh, the challenger is someone that's going to challenge a team member. Well, let's say you're on a uh, in a on a soccer field or in a sporting event, you challenge your your player with you to excel, or um, uh, the know-it-all is like they're always right. You didn't do this right, you didn't do that, and it's just kind of the same thing. It kind of d- diminishes is the best word. It diminishes them and not reach their potential. Just another framework of of how you diminish somebody. Yeah. And I agree with you, Joe, on that. And then I think some of the same things in the challengers, you know, just asking the harder questions, asking more questions, and then listening. That's one of the things we do is we think we already know the answer. And then we'll ask a question. And, you know, just to allow like, oh, I'm just asking a question, ask a question versus asking a question out of curiosity. Yeah. And not having that destination. I think that's where I was trying to get to, like, if you can ask a question out of curiosity and not have that destination and just because I would always lead the witness. That was one thing I was always guilty of. It's like, oh, do you think we should do this or this? And one would be like a really bad idea, you know, and the other <laughs> one would be like a good idea. And it's like, well, of course we would do that. You know, it's like, do you want a crappy sandwich or do you want to go to, you know, Ruth Chris? And then, you know, just kind of go down that way versus like, what do you think more open-ended? So I guess deeper culturally when you're building a team, realizing that the team may be able to create a better outcome than what you may create on your own. And that, that mind shift allows you to be a better challenger to see if there's fruit inside of people's genius and their thoughts that may direct you in a different position. So what you're saying, if you always think the outcome is best of what you think, then it's going to be hard to change any of these. So <laughs> at the end of the day, let's say you're a chiropractor, you're running one great office, you have three offices, you, you want to build leadership and you want to build a genius and you want to uh, allow that um, to blossom inside of the people that you work with. And that's, it's the same thread as we break these down. But as a listener, you may resonate that you're more of one of these types of diminishers versus the other. This is definitely mine. Yeah. And I think I love the, you know, with a challenger to extend challenges without a solution. Like don't, give them everything. So I think that's one of the big things with a challenger. Yeah, I agree. All right. right. Next one. Go ahead, Joe. So the next one is the deal maker versus uh, what's or the debate uh, maker, the debate maker and the decision maker, debate maker and decision maker. So uh, yeah, that makes complete sense. Uh, how many of you listening uh, set up a debate, a healthy debate and even debating your decisions. So you feel X is the best move for us to expand our clinic. Uh, that's the debate. And you want uh, to see other people's perspective of maybe, uh, you know, um, debating it versus uh, making the decision. This is the way we're going to go. So uh, why don't you break down debate maker and we'll kind of talk through it. So I think one of the nice things about a debate maker, and I think that we miss it sometimes, is we don't really define the question. We just, you know, and I think spending that prep time and going in and coming up with the right question is one of the most important things as a debate maker is coming up with the right questions versus like, okay, cool, let's just go in and solve this problem. Like spend time before you go into the conversation. I think that's one of the best ways to become a great debate maker. And the other thing is asking people um great questions. And then when you spark a debate, if you have two people who are really going 
hard and they're both on opposite polarities or opposite ends, have them switch positions. I think that's one of the best ways and make them debate the other way. My wife did that with me um, with a issue that was kind of near and dear to my heart. And so for me, it was always really important um, that I could have guns. Like I kind of grew up in a family that had guns and my wife grew up in a family that they didn't have guns. And so she didn't understand at all, like why I had guns. And so what she did was she caused me to reverse my position and it really caused me to ask. Yeah. It caused me to ask different questions. And I really asked like, cause my brother's, he's a SWAT, he's a SWAT officer and like just North of LA. So I was asking him thoughts and it just really made me rethink my thought. Yeah. This is a deep uh, component here, not only in business, but in life is that when your opinion becomes your identity, then you get locked mm. into you are a decision maker, not a debater. So let's make this practical in practice. Let's say you're going to expand your service offering and you're going to do like, let's say, neuropathy work or you're going to do you can bring on decompression and people are uh, your, your staff's thinking neuropathy has nothing to do with what we're doing. Decompression's better and you want to do the neuropathy and you guys are in this debate and you're going to find a way to win. Well, you're the owner, you're going to win all the time. So what you do <laughs> is what Cliff's saying is if you flip and you become an advocate of the opposite of what you're trying to win about <laughs> and they go on the other side and then you <laughs> test yourself and your ability to challenge your own idea. So this is probably to me the most influential piece of this entire cycle cliff for me is being able to bait your own opinion and flip sides and be the person in the meeting, the leader that can say, you know what, Cliff, why don't you take your very strongly opinion? I feel the emotional attachment to that and you're bringing up great points. But what I'd love you to do, Cliff, why don't you come on this side? And why don't you take the concept that I am uh, passionate about and fight for it and let me go over there and fight for your position and let's see how we end up. What we're going to do is neutralize our emotional connection, our amygdalas that's attached to that decision. And we're going to neutralize the emotion side of it. And it's going to get more intellectual and objective when we flip sides. So to me, Cliff, that is, I haven't utilized it or implemented as much as I would have liked. Uh, and I want to do it more in the future, but what an amazing concept, right? I mean, I oh, think yeah. the same way. No, I, that, this is one that I've definitely underutilized as well. And that's on my list to not suck at. And so, and I think the other thing is you're framing a debate. Give your team time to do their research. And I think knowing your team is super critical. And so if they're more analytical, you want to give them time to get the data so that they can come and have an intelligent conversation. You don't want to just throw them on the spot. And so as we're doing that, and it's a, that's where all that prep work comes in. Love it. Awesome. All right. Then the last one. Is the investor versus... The micromanager. Micromanager. Um, I personally, I'm not a micromanager. I, I allow people to just jump in the water, learn how to swim, and then I could get tyrannical, like, put your hands together, swim better. <laughs> so I think uh, I'll go with the investor and then jump in as a tyrannical. <laughs> so, <laughs> But a lot of people are micromanagers. I, I'd say I meet a lot of people that uh, are trying 
to micromanage. So do people really want to be a micromanager? The, do doctors really want to sit behind the front desk and look over your CA and making sure they're scheduling right? Do they want to be on top of someone so they can't even breathe? I, I don't think so. I think it comes from the same thing, the paranoia. I think it comes from lack of structure, lack of monthly meetups, lack of KPIs, lack of meeting rhythms, lack of huddles in the morning, lack of the process. I think that's what it stems from. I don't think innately most people want to be on top of someone's back. Would you agree or what are your what's your perspective? Yeah, I'm probably 80-20 on that. I think 80% <laughs> of the people don't. There's 20% who may like that. Yeah. You know, we had to put tape. I had to put tape on my floor in my front desk. <laughs> during patient hours, you were not allowed to come behind here. And, <laughs> that's uh, great. When we first started. But yeah, I totally agree. I think most people don't want to become that. I think where they do, and just like you said, I think it's really more about visibility and accountability. They don't have visibility into what's going on and they don't trust the team. So those are the two places I think that's where that micromanager easily slips in. Yeah, no, it makes so much sense. Um, so hopefully you guys get grasp these. There's five of them. One is you being a genius and the other is you being a genius maker. The idea of the exercise through this podcast is to help you help create geniuses around you so you can have more freedom, you can have more creativity, you can have more outcome, you can have more uh, revenue, you can have more wins, you can have more success, you can have less stress. Like that's really the essence of all of this is finding that. So let's recap the list if you go to that first uh, slide. So recapping it from the top, you have the um, talent magnet is a genius maker. That's when you uh, generate talent. And the other side is empire builders where I'm the I'm the chief. I'm going to build and I'm going to be, be on top of this world and I'm the best. Then there's liberators versus tyrants. A liberator gives space for growth. A tyrant is uh, is the person you get scared when that guy walks by. You put down your phone, you take a deep breath and you're like, oh, God, he, he's walking or she's walking by. The tyrant is massive control over people. Challenger versus know-it-alls. Challengers challenges people to think and come up with their own ideas, their own outcomes, their own processes, their own solutions. A know-it-all gives a little space and then pulls the reins back right away as the person's failing forward fast, as the person's learning and growing, as the person's trying to learn and, and process in their brain how to accomplish the outcome and then know it all boom pops in stops growth stops learning stops progression stops consciousness improvement and and keeps them in their tracks and making the leader have to lead everything uh, it ties you to the practice it creates dependencies it creates extra work for you next one debate maker versus decision maker is setting up the debate like cliff and i really enjoy uh and not just making decisions being the last person to speak Last person to put down the hammer. Last is investors and micromanagers. Micromanagers is you uh, holding their hand, grabbing their pencil, writing for them, talking for them, walking for them, and, and making everything they do that's off your way by 3% as you stepping in so they have no room for growth at all versus being an investor, invested people. So that's my summation. Any other thoughts around that? Yeah, I love everything you said. And I think for me, as you were talking, it's like, I feel like this is that space to slow down to speed up because everything I think in the genius things, it's all around speed. And so when you're talking about those things, that's what really came up for me. And so on this list, like, once you have this list, look at like, what are the two or three that you want to be good to great at? 
and what are two that you just don't want to suck at? Because sucking at any one of these will wreck being great at all of them. So you just can't suck at the two or three you're not great at. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's my biggest thing. And I think this, the next session, what we will talk about is we'll talk about the accidental diminisher. And I think that's where most of us fall down is that we don't do it intentionally. We do it accidentally. And so to know these pitfalls, because as you go into these relationships and Joe, you mentioned this right before the call, as far as like you were getting ready to go in on this call and be tyrannical. And then you made a change because of this book. And so I think it's that intention. So yeah, so just to follow up that story, I told uh, Cliff, uh, reading the book Multipliers uh, gave me the most uh, active, real-time, at-the-moment impact to behavior style. I was going to handle a situation that I was upset with, and instead of calling and asking, so tell, tell me more about what happened. What's your perspective? What, I was ready to pounce, uh, take control, and then I realized the emotion I had at the moment wasn't control it was paranoia it was fear it was oh shit uh, oh that <laughs> i let someone down or i didn't accomplish or i dropped the ball that i had to step in and denounce that person which is the worst thing you can do but it's interesting that some of our behaviors are generated by our emotional state and when you can quantify that in a state of awareness consciousness you're like okay i feel this way so I'm about to behave this way. So first, you're, we're learning the behaviors, but when you get deeper in your consciousness, you'll understand you're feeling that triggers. So if you read the book Habits, emotional triggers create behavior styles. That's high, high consciousness, guys. So being able to separate the behavior from the emotion and be aware of both, you become a master of your own reality. So um I think I got to step one there and I'm happy about it. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's super important, like recognize that this is a discipline. That's why they're called the five disciplines of multipliers. It's not that we're born into this. It's like there has to be a conscious level to lead above the line. And so um, great point. So I look forward to talking about those accidental diminishers on the next episode. Look forward to seeing you guys have an awesome week. And thank you so much for your genius, Dr. Joe. Awesome. You too, man. For opportunities to build your dream practice, presented by Dr. Fisher, reach out to Align Life Centers for Natural Health at AlignLifeOpportunity.com.